Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm Dalton Pence, host of Locked On Louisville. With me today for a special Locked Over, Locked On crossover podcast is Nick Fairball, the host of Locked On Pit. Nick, how's it going, man? It's going well, Dalton. Appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, and man. This is a good old crossover. I haven't done one in a while since we're out of season, <laughs> but I am very excited to do one, man. It is never too early to talk about the football season, which officially starts, I think, in about a month and a half. So so definitely not too early at all. Uh, before we start, I want to take this time, as, as I always do, to thank you all for making us both Locked On Louisville and Locked On Pit your first listens of the day. And just a reminder, both shows are free on all streaming services, including YouTube, five days a week, your teams every day. So um, I think one of the best things to do um, when it comes to talking about a certain team is honestly to get kind of the opposition's look on it, get the opposition's take. That's what's going to dominate the first segment. We're going to give our takes on the opposing teams. Um, Heading into the second segment, we will then kind of transition back into talking about our areas of expertise and talk about the expectations for both the Cardinals and the Panthers. And then finally, we will talk about that matchup that'll happen later on in the 2022 season. So, um, Let's get right on into it. Uh, Nick, obviously it seems with with, uh, Pittsburgh, the storylines kind of write themselves. Um, It's the post-Kenny Pickett era. I guess it is now, as short as it was, the the post-Jordan Addison era as well. Uh, Keaton Slovis looking to kind of be the guy uh, for Pat Narduzzi. Um, Do you think that, I I guess it's my ignorance, and and obviously fall camp kind of hasn't, come along but um i kind of look at pittsburgh obviously defensively speaking they're going to be solid um you know pat narduzzi is is one of the better defensive minds in college football if i'm being completely honest um but there's a lot of question marks on on the offensive side of the ball for pittsburgh in my opinion um when it comes to like uh, quarterbacks and receivers and now you have a new offensive coordinator what's kind of been the vibe you know around the offense for you what are the main questions that you're looking to get answered on week one yeah, well, listen, the, the staffs are excited about some of the new players that they have. Obviously, they're excited about Keaton Slovis um, because they think that he could pay me for game form that he did in 2019 and 2020 at USC. Yes, he had a down year last year, but is that a sign of things to come? I think that there are more questions about Keaton Slovis than a lot of Pitt fans will let on. So I'm not the biggest Keaton Slovis fan. I will say that out loud. I, I think that he is a bit turnover prone. He doesn't necessarily go through his reads all that well. So I think that's a big question. I think that's the big question about Keaton Slovis is how much of the load can he take on? Or is picking up to switch up what they did last year, you know, where they, they, where they threw the ball just so much because Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, all their other weapons were so good that they didn't really have to care about the running game. I think that's going to have to switch this year. Um, the other question is going to be, well, who steps up in the receiver room? I think Pitt has one really good proven receiver in Jared Wayne. I also think Kanane Mumfield, who was a freshman All-American, the Akron transfer, who is planning to be the wide receiver one. I think he's going to be really good. You hear essentially the buzz out of spring camp was Kanane Mumfield, Kanane Mumfield, Kanane Mumfield. Even after the Jordan Addison thing happened, people were confident in telling me, you know, Kanane Mumfield is going to be this guy, man. He's going to be the wide receiver one. We think we have an all-conference guy in this guy. So, that's the big thing that I think you look at with that receiver room, and then it's going to be, well, who steps up behind him and who mm-hmm. steps up behind those two? Because Pitt has a lot of talent in that receiver room, but they don't have a lot of proven talent. So you have speedsters like, you know, you have a Jalen Barden who can run a 4-4. You have Chayna Wabuko who is a freshman, all-state, all you know, an all-stater from Texas who won uh, states down there in track. So he's super fast. Um, and then you kind of just got to wonder – 
how Frank Zagnetti, the new offense coordinator, maybe tweaks the system a little bit different from, say, Mark Whipple, who, you know, w- was a guy that loved to pass the football. And, and I think that's not necessarily what Pat Narduzzi wanted to do last year, but obviously I think that they kind of got pushed there to that. Um, so the question marks are going to be, well, who's going to step up in that receiver depth room? How good is Keen Slow is going to be? And how much are you going to have to rely on that run game? Because I think those are the three big things you look at with this group that are going to be different. It's not going to be Kenny Pickett to Jordan Addison. It's going to be, you know, Keaton Slovis potentially handing it off to Israel Abani Kanda more than often. And one thing that I think um, kind of um, helps uh, Pittsburgh out, and uh, if you can hear my apologize for my dogs absolutely going ballistic upstairs. Um, they, I guess, can't stand the thought of hearing about Pittsburgh and, and, and the uh, anything outside of Louisville. But um, I think it was neat that uh, Pittsburgh is returning so much experience uh, in the trenches, especially, I mean, in both sides, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of standouts on the defensive line, especially on the offensive line where it seems like they're, uh, forgive me if I if I'm taking this incorrectly, but it seems like they're they're bringing back all five starters on the offensive line. Obviously, three running backs coming back. You mentioned that the quarterback and the wide receiver positions kind of the iffy or, or the maybe not necessarily even an iffy, just kind of um, the uncertain aspect of it. Um, do you see really quickly before I go into the, my my fear about Pittsburgh? What scares me the most? Do you see an instance to where Nick Patty uh, coming off of that injury does he? truly get into this conversation of possibly being a starter? Do you think that this is Slovis's job to lose? Man, listen, I, I think that Nick Patty does have a chance to win this job. Um, mm-hmm. Is it a great chance? No, I think they brought in Keenan Slovis for a reason. Um, and I, I think that they're very high on what he is. Um, but, I, you know, Nick Patty looked good in that that Peach Bowl when he did play. He looked good against Michigan State and obviously broke his collarbone on the touchdown. I mean, if they have – if they have Nick Patty that entire game against Michigan State, they probably win flying away. Um, so that's the thing about Nick Patty is he's not a guy that's going to kill you. He's not going to hurt you. He's not very turnover prone. Now, he's a he's a high floor guy that doesn't have the ceiling that Slovis has. And maybe that's not what Pitt wants, obviously, coming off an ACC championship year. They want to get back to that ACC championship and win it again. Um, can Patty do that? I'm not sure. Um, but I think, you know, if Slovis starts to turn the ball over and in and, and camp just doesn't look like, He's doing what he needs to do. I think there's a scenario there where Patty, the safer option, steps in. Um, but I would say, especially for when these teams are going to play, you know, Louisville and Pitt, things would probably have to happen in a game scenario for mm-hmm. for Slovis to not win that job. I think that um, kind of transitioning into the last question I have about Pittsburgh, it's really more of a statement than a question. I think what scares me the most is Pittsburgh's defense. Um, obviously, um, I have a lot of respect for Pat Narduzzi. I will I've explained why in the next segment, in the second segment, um, we're talking about the expectations, but um, bringing back, you know, Habakkuk, Baldonado, um, you know, the the experience on the defensive line, we're talking about a defense that's bringing back, I think, six starters um, and Dennis in, in the linebacking committee. Um, outside of him is kind of where I, I have question marks uh, about who's going to step up outside of him. But uh, for a defense that was very good in terms of getting sacks, interceptions, defensive touchdowns, uh, rushing defense. I mean, it just seems like it literally seems like a Pat Narduzzi defense and he's got his guys in the system. So for me, that's what scares me is that I know that Louisville has an offensive line coming into next season and they've got some possible All-Americans. But when you have that many standouts in the trenches and that can put their hand in the dirt and rush the quarterback, um, you do have to you have a little bit of concern when it comes to protecting Malik Cunningham. Yeah, and in Pitt, that's the thing about Pitt is that they do have a really good, experienced defense. Um, 
cornerback might be a little bit of a question. They lose to Maury Mathis, their top cornerback from a year ago to the NFL, was picked by the Broncos. Um, but I think linebacker is the biggest question. As you said, it's really Servassier, Dennis, Brandon George, and a lot of new guys there. Uh, they lost Phil Campbell, Cam Bright transferred out. A lot of their, their linebackers graduated and heading to the NFL. Um, so they have Shane Simon, the Notre Dame transfer there. And they're really excited about the two young guys, Bengali Kamara and Solomon DeShields, very athletic players that just haven't played a lot. But when they have played, they've shown a lot of good stuff. Um, so they're excited about him. Tyler Wilkes, Missouri State transfer, transferring up uh, to Pitt. Uh, he's going to be a really solid player as well, they think. So this is a good, I think, depth room. I think they have depth across the board. It's just going to be, well, what's the starting level kind of floor going to be? Obviously, you have Dennis, who's going to be great. Um, but it's going to be Kamara and Shield, the Shields that are really going to have to figure that out. Um, but I think this is going to be a really good defense, as you said. Very experienced. They really only lose outside of the linebacking core. They lose Keyshawn Camp in the middle. But you know Charlie Partridge's defensive line. They're just going to plug and play. Expect Elliot Donald, yeah, that's Aaron Donald's nephew, to probably get a lot of playing time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big guy to watch in the interior this year. He's reworked his body, and he looks amazing, apparently. So that's going to be someone to watch. And then on the corner room, I think you just see MJ Devonshire, Marquez Williams, AJ Woods. And then we're, you kind of got to figure out who the fourth is going to be, but probably Khalil Anderson there right. um, to decide who will step in to that role. Now, Dalton, I want to flip sides here a little bit because I know that, you know, Pitt fans don't know a ton about Louisville. Though, though I think the one name that obviously sticks out to them because they played him during that obviously weird 2020 season, Malik Cunningham. Is mm-hmm. going to be the name, and Cunningham didn't necessarily have a, a great performance in that game. No. Um, and so, you know, what about this offense to you sticks out aside from Malik Cunningham? He's obviously improved a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think you said. I mean, a lot of it's the continuity. Um, you know, twenty twenty was a season that definitely I think Malik Cunningham would like to have back um, in terms of, especially in terms of turnovers. Um, the next season, Malik combines for 40 touchdowns and 19 of those being um, through the year. So, I mean, yeah, had, you know, 20 on the ground. I think that one of the things for Louisville is that, Hey, the offense, it, it goes with Malik Cunningham. Um, you have one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country, um, you know, top 10 in rushing yards as a quarterback. I think he had maybe the most or second most rushing yards for a quarterback, rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of the offense for them. They have some solid running backs to go behind a, a very veteran-led offensive line group. There is some inconsistency at wide receiver with some uh, guys transferring out, but they do have talent at the position. Like like I mentioned, I think that um, it, it's no facade. The Louisville offense goes with Malik Cunningham. If he's able to take them to new heights, there's no telling what this team can pretty much achieve. And that's the thing that I think Pitt fans probably are going to be a little bit accustomed to not seeing is the Malik Cunningham of new, um, which will be new, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. Let's move over to the defensive side because the offense of Louisville, it seems like it's usually pretty good. And I think Pitt mm-hmm. fans will expect it to be good. You know, you have guys like Jalen Mitchell, Trevon Coley uh, in there that are back this year. <clears throat> um, you, you have a, a few decent receivers as well returning in that room. Obviously, no Tyler Harrell, but. You have Marshawn Ford, who's a really good H-back tight end. But on the defensive side, it might look a, a little bit different. You know, you, you lose a guy like C.J. Avery, who I think led the team in tackles last year. So you lose a few players on that side of the ball. For you, what about this defense sticks out that's alarming to you? 
Well, I think that it's really not a personnel issue for me. It's more so along the lines of the scheme. Um, one of the things that Louisville fans last year um, really grew accustomed to seeing, unfortunately, was defensive backs being very conservative in the way that they were played. Um, you know, off the ball, 10 yards off the ball, and, hey, teams really exposed that. You know, Brandon Armstrong basically surgically picked apart the Louisville defense just using slants and using, you know, all of these curls and, and just anything you can to get the ball into the intermediate you know, side of the field. So um, really so so much it's not necessarily a personnel standpoint because, I mean, hey, they brought in Jermaine Lole from Arizona State, one of the best defensive line players in the country. Um, they have Monty Montgomery back from injury who went down in, in, this, in the third game of the season, Kittrell Clark is back at the number one cornerback on the team. Yes, they do lose C.J. Avery, but getting Monty Montgomery back, Yasir Abdullah um, announcing to come back. They have the personnel to be a very, very solid defense. I think the the concern for Cardinals fans is, okay, just because you have the personnel, that's only one part of the battle. You know, they have to be put, they have to be put into the best situations to succeed. So that's the question for Louisville fans is how is Brian Brown and now the new co-defense coordinator Wesley McGriff from Florida, how are, how are they going to change the defense up to really kind of alleviate some of those concerns? And I think for Louisville fans, I don't know if it's more alarming that it's a scheme fit rather than personnel, but that's just kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. And I look at the, I think the one thing that would scare me is that, Keaton Slovis against the secondary. I think this is a really solid secondary. I know Quinterio Cole is not going to be back, but you get Kendrick Duncan, who is, I think, a really solid player there. Mm-hmm. You have Kytrell Clark, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and then you have a, a lot of just solid players across the secondary that I think could potentially hurt it. Uh, I think that's going to be the big thing. I, I think that, you know, you look at the the guys on the D-line. These, there are a lot of names that Pitt fans will probably recognize from that 2020 matchup. Um, you look at Yasir Abdullah, he had a forced fumble in that game. So there will be names there, but I think outside of the obvious, which is Malik Cunningham and, and that explosive offense, I think that that secondary could potentially hurt Pitt uh, if they don't play 10 yards off the ball, as, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't be surprising to see them potentially come up here and give some issues for Keen Slows. All right, we're going to switch over to the second segment now but first folks i'm going to let you know about rock auto because guess what folks you can save time and money when using rock auto with the ever number increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you could ever need so you don't have to endure all that intimidating and pointless questioning or wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer while only picking from the stuff that their warehouse happens to carry you can choose to spend 30 50 or even 100 percent less from the this auto parts store on rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business and you've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 30 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on there, how did you hear about us, Buck, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Welcome back to this great edition of the Locked On Crossover. Nick Farabaugh, Locked On Pitt, Dalton Pence, Locked On Louisville, and Dalton. Louisville right now, coming out of last season, might have been a little bit disappointing given the play of Malik Cunningham, but you figure this could be the year that maybe they make a push. I know everyone's talking about NC State, Wake Forest, Clemson, but Louisville has the talent to maybe make a push over there in the Atlantic. 
Yeah, I, I think, like I said, it's there. There's a lot of things that ride on it. Um, for Louisville specifically, the first half of the schedule, it is imperative that the Cardinals succeed early on. Uh, they have a, a no a week one matchup with Syracuse, which by all means should be a win. And then you have a couple interesting ones in the first six games or so. You have games against Florida State and Boston College, teams that you probably should beat. Um, but it's one of those instances to where, hey, it's going to all depend on the 50-50 games. Last year, Louisville was two bad quarters of football away from probably being 9-3 and three rather than 6-6. Six and six. And that's kind of what frustrated a lot of Louisville fans. Scott Satterfield, I, I wouldn't say the seat is scalding hot for the um, fourth-year head coach, but with the recruiting and everything that it's going, it's added a lot of pressure to him. You know, he's got to win games year three, um, year one, they um, – they overachieve, win eight games, coming off of a two and ten. Obviously, COVID wasn't great for the Cardinals. Uh, to the the COVID year wasn't great for the Cardinals. And 2021, like I mentioned, nine and three or six and six, a bad set of quarters ended up being the determining factor. So it's a lot of um, it's a lot of give and take. They're going to have to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And you know, there's a group of teams uh, like Kentucky, NC State, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh. Clemson that they're going to have to pull off maybe an upset or two. So uh, for me, um, you know, I think that the the expectations should be at the minimum seven wins. I don't think that this is going to be a team that truly competes for the Atlantic. Although, I mean, I guess they have the pieces to do so. Um, they can make it interesting. So that's just kind of my uh, take on it. But I feel like Pittsburgh is in a little bit of a different boat. Obviously, last year. Um, a ton of success, 10-2 and two in the regular season, um, and just being able to uh, do what they did. But you're replacing pretty much the heart and soul of the offense in a guy like Kenny Pickett and Keaton Slovis. The work is cut out for him, but it does look like he has the the uh, pieces around him to succeed, to be successful. He's going to have, probably have a clean pocket. He's got reliable running backs. He's got some promising wide receivers, and he's got a defense that's going to help him. Nick, my question for you when it when it comes to this Pittsburgh team, what is the expectation here? I, I've kind of uh, tried to go through like social media and see, and it seems like it's a little bit polarizing because of how people either like or just simply don't believe in Slovis. How does Nick Faribault feel? about the expectations for Pittsburgh in 2022. Yeah. I mean, you're coming off a year where you went 11 and three, went to the peach bowl, won the ACC. So that sets a, a certain bar. Um, it, it just straight up does. You have to understand you lost Kenny Pickett and you lost Jordan Addison, and you understand that, but mm -hmm. you return almost the entire defense, the entire lines back, your freshman all American tight end and Gavin Bartholomew is there. You bring in a guy like Kanade Mumfield, who I think Pitt fans are super excited to see, and he had a really good spring game too. So that's a, that's kind of working towards their favor. They have a really good running back who's ready to break out in Izzy Abanikanda, who kind of did break out last year but never got the full load of the work. And then you obviously have guys like Rodney Hammond and Vince Davis there. Now, I think Slovis is the question, right? Slovis is going to determine where this goes. So I think that, you know, Pitt fans at a minimum, man, are expecting nine and three. Uh, this isn't – like, look at Pitt's schedule, and it's not – necessarily a murderer's row i mean the first two games are obviously a non-easy stretch you get west virginia the backyard brawls back that's a rivalry game Pitt should win that game but it's a rivalry game so you never know uh, what could happen with that then you have tennessee coming to pittsburgh that'll be a tough game but then i mean you got teams like georgia tech on the schedule you know you have a sam hollis unc you feel like you should win Duke. that game <laughs> Syracuse. 
Um, Virginia Tech is in essentially limbo mode under Brent Prize, so they shouldn't be completely back yet. Um, so, like, that is a – if you look at this, if Pitt wins their first two games and they – you think hopefully this year they, they are on the road in Kalamazoo, they defeat Western Michigan this year. Uh, but if they come out of that regular season 4-0, I mean, Georgia – it goes then Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, then to Louisville. I mean, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech should be wins, and then Pitt would actually hit their bye and then come – at Louisville, I think that would be their big first test after Tennessee. So I think nine and three is reasonable um, as, as it should be. I think that that's probably what I would predict them to be right now. I don't think they're going to be quite as good as last year. I think they'll be a solid team. It just depends on how good Keen Slovis is. And again, I have questions. So I think nine and three makes sense uh, for this team as it stands. Whether that gets them a trip to the ACC championship, it could. It all depends really on Miami. Um, and Brennan Armstrong in Virginia. But I think that this is a team that should strive for 9-3, 10-2. I think that's the realistic thing because Pitt wants to build a brand name. Pitt wants, mm-hmm. Pitt wants to build off the ACC championship and step up to the next tier. You know, they want to join teams like Michigan State up in that next tier, essentially up there. And they've gone recruiting battles with teams up in that next tier and have won some. So they want to be viewed on a higher plane. If they want to do that, got to go to the ACC championship again at least. Yeah, and personally, I'll be honest, I currently have predicted Pittsburgh to win their division. Um, I think that the, unfortunately, Louisville's division is very top-heavy. Um, you talk about NC State, you talk about Clemson could possibly be back, depending depending on DJU and um, who, who wins the quarterback battle there. Wake Forest is still going to be back with Sam Hartman and company. Um, so, and like you said, I think Miami, it's going to be interesting year one under Mario Cristobal. What happens here down in Coral Gables? Um, obviously, NIL currently hasn't helped their current squad. Note on current squad, um, not the uh, 2023 recruiting cycle. But um, regardless, I, I I do think that Pittsburgh, not only do they have the talent on, on both sides of the ball, but they had the schedule. And you mentioned that. I mean, you look at that schedule and it's like, I mean, there, there's another possible double-digit regular season win totals if if everything goes right. And I think that Honestly, with with that team, it's possibly it's pro- possibly probably impossibly together. It's probably going to do so. Um, we'll then take a little bit of a small break um, and, and talk about what to expect in that game in late October. We'll do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift for your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk, Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built Bar have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love is deliciously chewy, marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, as are all of the Built Bar products. At Built Bar, um, all of the products are made with collagen protein, which your bar, which your bar, which your body absorbs more efficiently. You can go to their website at built.com and check out the macros chart. And it literally breaks down all of the healthy benefits. So you get the tastiness that you get from a regular candy bar, but you also get the healthiness from a regular protein bar. It's truly the best of both worlds. There is a huge variety of flavors. So don't waste any more time. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. Once again, that's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
Thanks again, everyone, for making both Locked On Louisville and Locked On Pittsburgh your first listens of the day. Um, the final segment of this Locked On crossover podcast, Dalton Pence here with Locked On Louisville, Nick Fairbaugh of Locked On Pitt. Nick, um, when it comes to Pittsburgh in this game, um, there are a couple games on Louisville's schedule that I have uh, designated as wins, others as for sure losses, and then there's a couple others in the 50-50 category. Um, I... Simply really don't know where to put Pittsburgh yet until I see Keaton Slovis play a, a football game for the Panthers um, in whatever your field is called now. I'm not even sure what uh, what uh, R.I.P. Hans Field. Yeah, R.I.P. Hans Field. Um, my family's big uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I'm not, but my family is, so they were definitely a little hurt. But uh, nonetheless, um, I, I will say I respect Pat Narduzzi, and here's why. Um Back in 2014, Charlie Strong leaves for the Texas job. Obviously, Bobby Petrino ends up getting it, but two names were very heavily in that mix. Tony Morris of uh, formerly Clemson and Pat Narduzzi, the defense coordinator for Michigan State at the time. And I was very, very big on Pat Narduzzi because his defenses were very, very good. That is one of the reasons that I literally see this at Pittsburgh now of what I saw at Michigan State. I'm like, they aren't truly on the loss level for me as Kentucky, um, Clemson, and NC State are, but they are as close to a for sure loss, in my opinion, as um, pretty much any of the other teams uh, of the remaining schedule. Right now, I-, I get that the game's at home for the Cardinals, but I've got it being a close loss for Louisville. Yeah, it- it's a tough one because – you know the Pat Narduzzi defense is good, but it also could be the bane of your existence. Remember, mm-hmm. in that game in 2020, how many times did Tutu Atwell get open deep? <laughs> I mean, it was insane, right? Um, Malik Cunningham just missed the layups. Um, and that's happened before. Tyler Van Dyke had a very similar game last year. Caleb Ellaby for Western Michigan had a similar game last year. Um, that mm-hmm. Michigan State game was a little bit of a kind of topsy-turvy game where – Pitt's defense really wasn't the issue there. It was more the fact that Pitt had a third-string quarterback in that couldn't move the football and wore the <laughs> defense out. Um, but you kind of look at the losses in the Pat Narduzzi era, and they, they are bunched into a very similar box. And it's the fact that that man coverage, heavy defense. Remember, this team doesn't play a nickel defense. They have – I mean, they do, but they don't really play it. They played like 5% of the time last year. That's called their delta package, but they don't play a lot. So this is a defense – that can be prone to allowing explosive plays because they play in man coverage so much. And so Louisville's receivers are going to have a chance here to kind of shine. Now, Pitt's run defense is going to be really good. It doesn't. It usually doesn't matter if this team has a rushing quarterback or a, just a really good running back or both. If they have both, usually Pitt can still clamp down on them and usually doesn't matter who Pitt's facing uh, in that area. They've shut down plenty of really good running backs before um, Will Shipley didn't do a ton against them last year. I know he's a freshman, but a very talented one at that uh, from Clemson. Uh, you, you you saw when they faced teams like Virginia, though, when Brennan Armstrong and his crew with, you know, Dontavian Wicks, Delani Woods, uh, Keenan Thompson, like all these really good players, they really sliced up Pitt for 38 points in that game. And so that one was a close game. I think this one has the makings of a very similar type of game. I think Pitt's going to score a lot in this. Um, and I think that is something that – you look at and you put an expectation to. I think you have to put a cap on where Pitt's going to rank in terms of that points per game. I think they mm-hmm. should still score over 30 points per game this year. Not, they're not going to score as many as they did last year where they were, you know, 
best in the conference, one of the best, not only in the conference, but in the nation. But I think they could be up there and, you know, that four third range in the conference still. Um, and they could score 35, 40 points if they have the right kind of things going on. It might be a little bit different where they're running a little bit more. But I think that this rushing game is going to come to life. I think that Pitt's going to be, you know, if you think back to the teams before Pitt had Kenny Pickett, you think of Nate Peterman and Tom Savage and even early career with Kenny Pickett, you know, when they had Quadri Allison and, and Darren Hall, they were one of the best rushing teams, not only in the ACC, but in the nation. So I would expect that to be maybe something they gear more towards this year. So I have Pitt winning this one right now. Um, I think it's going to be a, a somewhat close game, something like a 45-35, a 42-31, something around there. I think this game's going to be a close one and a pretty dramatic one throughout, but I do have Pitt. Uh, winning this one because I think Pitt's going to be able to find holes and exploit uh, the Louisville defense. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the, the, the line of my thinking as well. Um, you mentioned very high score games. I see that being the case. I think that the deciding factor here, if Louisville was to pull it off is that they're going to have to be positive in the turnover margin. Um, Pittsburgh, very, very good at forcing turnovers. They've got the guys back that forced those turnovers last year. So um, defensively speaking, Louisville's going to have to make Keaton Slovis pay for his mistakes. It's one thing that going into last season and why the COVID year was just kind of just blah for us was the fact that we dropped so many gimmies when it comes to like fumbles and interceptions, and it lost us some games in 2020. And it heck, it went, went a long way in losing us some games in 2021. So two teams on the very – into the spectrum, I'd say, when it comes to um, current um, states of the program. Louisville's kind of maybe not necessarily in limbo, but they're looking to desperately get to the Pittsburgh level right now. Pittsburgh, like you mentioned, trying to vault themselves up into that like Michigan State or even kind of um, you know top 15 on the outside looking in of trying to get into the college football playoff eventually. Um but but as far as this goes, um, I, Nick, I'm very very happy that you you hopped on today. I'm excited to have you back on the week uh, that will end it, uh, October 22nd. I'm trying to think of what day that week starts on. I guess it'll be the uh, the 17th of October is when is when the Pittsburgh preview will begin. Hopefully, our teams are pretty solid, so it makes for a pretty decent matchup. Uh, but obviously, at Depence underscore my personal. Twitter. Um, Nick, before we get out of here, why don't you let the audience know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, you can uh, follow me at Nick underscore Faribault Pitt. Talk over there, obviously. Follow Locked On Pit Podcast. Make sure to check out Dalton Stuff if you're a Pitt fan. Locked On Louisville. It's on YouTube on every single platform, so make sure to check that out. He does great stuff over here. Whether it's football, basketball, doesn't matter, folks, because you know, Pitt's, Pitt's, uh, Pitt's looking to come up and it's basketball too, so get all you have from Louisville because they're going to be a big opponent. We're trying, to, we're trying to be the same way after after a little bit of a tough season. But hey, also check out the Locked On ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. No better way to get all of your overall conference knowledge. And if you just want to hear um, a very, um, well, maybe North Carolina bias, but. Uh, unbiased opinions of, of all the other teams in the ACC. No better way to do that than the Locked On ACC podcast. But thanks again for everyone tuning in to this Locked On crossover podcast special. We'll see you right back here shortly.